BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The Signal Man by Charles Dickens. Hallelujah, down below there. When he heard a voice that's calling to him, he's standing at the door of his box, with a flag in his hand, furled around its short pole. One could would have thought, considering nature of the ground, that he could not have doubted from or quarter the voice came. Instead of looking up where I, I stood on the top of the steep cutting lay above his over his head, he turned himself out and looked down the line. There was something remarkable in manner of doing so. Though I could not have said for my life, what? I know it was remarkable enough to attract my notice, even though this figure was foreshortened and shadowed down in a deep trench. The mine was high above mine. So steeped in the glow of an angry sunset, I had shaded my eyes with my hand below, for I saw him at all. Hello, love, below. From looking down the line, he turned himself out again. He raised his eyes, saw my figure high above him. Is there a path by which I could come down and speak to you? He looked at me without replying. I looked at down at him without pressing him too soon. A repetition of my idle question. But just then there came a vague vibration in the earth, an air quickening change into violent pulsation. An oncoming rush that caused me to start back, as though I had forced to draw me down. With such vapour as rose to my height, from this rapid train that passed me, with skimming away over the landscape, I looked down again, saw him referring the flag was shown while the train went by. I repeated my inquiry. Of the pool during which he seemed to regard me, fixed attention. Emotion was rolled up flag towards the point, my level, uh, some two or three hundred yards distance. I called to him, All right, I made for that point. There, by dint of looking closely about him, about me, and I found a rough zigzag descending path, notched out, which I followed. The cutting was extremely deep, unusually perceptible. 
captive. He had made for a clammy stone that became oozier and wetter as I went down. But suddenly, for these reasons, I found a way long enough to give me time to call a singular air, reluctance or compulsion, which he had pointed out the path. I came down low enough upon the zigzag descent to see him again. So he was standing between the realms, the way in which the train had lately passed. In attitude, he was waiting for me to disappear. He had his left hand on his chin, his left elbow rested his right hand, crossed over his breast. His attitude was one of such expectation, watchfulness. I stopped a moment at wondering at it. Resume my downward way, and stepping out upon the level railroad, and drawing nearer to him, saw that he was a stark, shallow man, with a dark beard and rather heavy eyebrows. Post was a solitary, dismal place, as ever I saw. Either side a dripping wet wall, a jagged stone, going all view but strip of sky, effective one way only, crooked prolongation, this great dungeon, and shorter perspective, in the other dimension terminating in a gloomy red light, and a gloomy entrance to a black tunnel. In those massive outcrouchers, there was a barbarous, depressing, forbidding air, so little sunlight ever found its way to the spot. It had an earthly, deadly smell. So much cold wind rushed through it, it struck the children me, if, as if I had left the natural world. Before he stirred, I was near enough to him, to have touched him, but even then removing his eyes from mine, stepped back one step, and lifted his hand. This is a loathsome post to occupy, I said, and it had riveted my attention. I looked down from a pup, from up yonder, a visitor was a rarity, should suppose, but not an unwelcome rarity. I hoped in me he suddenly saw a man being shut up up within the narrow limits of all his life, who, being at last set free, had a newly awakened interest in those great works, those great works. To such a purpose I spoke to him, but as far from sure the terms I use. Besides that, I'm not happy in opening any conversation. There was something in the man that daunted him. He directed a most curious look towards the red light near the tunnel's mouth, looked all about it as if something was missing from it. Then he looked at me. He looked at me. The light was part of his charge. Was it not? He answered in a low voice, Don't you know it is? Montrous fault came into my mind as a pursued, bruised the fixed eyes, a centering face. This was a spirit, not a man, spectated since, whether there may have been infection in his mind. In my turn, I stepped back. In my making the action detected in his eyes, something meant, they meant fear of me. This put the Montrous fault to flight. You look at me, I said, forcing a smile, as if you have dread of me. I doubt was doubtful, he returned, whether I have seen you before. Where? 
He pointed to the red light he looked at. He had looked at. There, I said. Intently watchful of me. He applied, but where was sound? Yes. I could have followed. What should I do there? However, to be as it, it may, and never was there, you may swear. I think I may rejoin. Yes, I'm sure I may. Your manner cleared. All like my own, repeated to my implied remarks with readiness in well-chosen words. Had he much to be do there? Yes, that was to say, he had enough responsibility to bear for his actness and watchfulness. Well, what he was required of him, actual work, manual labour, he had next to none. To change that signal, to trim those lights, turn the iron handle, now and then, was all he had to do under that head, regarding those many long and lonely hours, which I seemed to make so much, he could only say that routine of his life had shaped itself into that form. He had grown used to it. He had taught himself the language down there, and if only to know by sight, to have formed his own crude ideas of its pronunciation, could be called learning. He also worked at fractions, decimals, tried a little algebra, but he was, as being as a boy, a poor hand at figures. Was it necessary for him, on well, duty, always to remain in that channel of damp air? Could he never rise in the sunshine, sunshine from between those high stone walls? Why, what depended upon times and circumstances? Under some conditions, there would be less upon the line and other times than others and others the same held good as a certain hours of day and night in bright weather he did choose occasion for forgetting a little above those lower shadows but being at all times liable he called his by his electric bell and at times listening for it with redoubled anxiety the relief was less than i would suppose he took me into his box where there was a fire, a desk for an official book, which he had to make certain entries, telegraphic instrument, with his dull face and needles, a little bell of which he had spoken. My trusty, he would excuse a remark. He had been well educated, and I, and I hoped, I might say, offence perhaps educated, above the station, that station. His other instances, slight incongruity in such wise, would rarely be found wanting among large bodies of men. He had heard it was so in workhouses, police force, even in last desperate resource or army, that he knew it was so, more or less, in any great railway staff. He'd been, when young, if I could believe it, sitting in that hut, he scarcely could. A student of financial philosophy had attended lectures but he had run wild, misused his opportunities, gone down and never risen again. He had no complaint to offer about that. He had made his bed and lay upon it. It was far too late to make another. All I have, all that I can condense, he said, quite a manner of his grave, dark, typical guards, between me and the fire. Threw in the word, sir, from time to time, especially when he referred to his youth, as though to request me to understand, claimed to be nothing, but when I found him 
He was several times interrupted by the little bell and had to read off messages, send replies. Once he had to stand about the door, display a flag as a train passed, make some verbal communication to the driver. In his charge his duty to observe, he'd been remarkably exact and vigilant, breaking off to discourse of a syllable, and made silent until what had to do was done. In a word, I should have set the man this man down, and one of the safest of men to be employed in that capacity. But for circumstances, that while he was speaking to me, he thrice broke off the fallen colour, turned his face towards the little bell, and he did not ring, open door of the hut, which was kept shut to exclude an unhealthy damp. Looked out towards the red light near the mouth of the tunnel. On both these occasions he came back to the fire, an inexplicable air upon him, which I remarked, that being able to define where he was so far asunder. Said I, when I rose to leave him, you almost make me think I met with a contented man. Afraid I must acknowledge that, I said, to lead him on. I believe I used to be so, he joined in a low voice, which he first spoken, I am troubled, son, I am troubled. He would have recalled the words if he could. He would have said them, however, and took them up quickly. What, what, what? What is your trouble? It's very difficult to impart, sir. Very, very difficult to speak. Well, if ever you make me a visit, I would try to tell you. I especially intend to make you another visit. Say, when shall it be? I am all off in the morning. Shall be on again to ten to tomorrow night, sir. I come at eleven. Faint me went out the door of me. I show my white light, sir. He said in a peculiar low voice, to have found the way up. When you have found it, don't call out. And when you are on the top, don't call out. His manner seemed to make the place strike colder. To me, but I said no more. And very well. And when you come down tomorrow night, don't call out. Let me ask you a crowdy question. What made you cry hello now? Before there tonight. Heaven knows, said I. I cried something to the effect. Not the effect, sir. Those were your very words. I know them well. I meant those words were the very words that said them, no doubt, because I saw you below. For no other reason? What other no reason could I possibly have? For no feeling it could convey to you any supernatural way? No. He wished me good night and held up his light and walked by the side of the down line of rails, a very disagreeable sensation of a train coming behind me. So I found the path, it's easier to mount than descend. Got back to my inn without any event of any any adventure. Punctual to my appointment, placed my foot on the first notch of zigzag. Next morning, distant clocks were striking eleven. He waited for me in the bottom, white light. Oh, and I have called out, I said. We came close together. May I speak now? By all means, sir. Good night, then. And here's my hand. Good night, sir. And here's mine. With that, we walked side by side. His box entered. Closed the door, entered it. Closed the door and sat down by the fire. I have made my, my mind, sir. Began bending toward as soon as he was seated. And speaking in a tone, but a little above a whisper, you shall, that you shall not, but it must be twice. It troubled me. I took you for someone else yesterday evening that troubled me. That mistake? No, that's someone else. Who is it? I don't know. Like me? 
Don't know, I never saw her face. The left arm is waved across the face. The right arm is waved. Bunny waved this way. Follow his actions with my eyes. The action of an arm gesturing. The utmost possession of reverence. God's sake, clear the way. One moonlit night, he said the man. Sitting here when I heard a voice cry. How there below there? I started up, looked from that door. But there's something else. One else. Standing by the red light. It a tunnel. Waving as I should. I just showed you. Voice seemed hoarse with shouting. It cried, look out, look out. Attain hallelujah. Below there, look out. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. I caught up my lamp, turned it on red, and ran towards the figure, calling, what's wrong? What has happened? Where it just stood at the darkness of the tunnel? I advanced so close upon it, and I wondered, keeping a sleeve across its eyes, ran up to it. My hand stretched out to pull the sleeve away, but it's gone. In the tunnel, I said, I. Now I ran on to the, into the tunnel. Five hundred yards, I stopped and held up my lamp, my head, and saw the figures, distant, measured distance, saw the wet stains stealing down the walls, trickling through the arch, ran out and was against, again faster, had run in. For I had a mortal abhorrence, mortal abhorrence to replace me above me. I looked all around the red light, with my own red light, I went up the iron ladder to the gallery top of it. I came down again, ran back here, to the grove both ways. Alarm had been given. Something wrong, the answer came back both ways as well. Resisting the slow touch of frozen finger, tracing out my, my spine, I showed him how this figure might be deception, his sense of sight, how his figures are reiterating, disease of the delicate nerve that minister the functions of the eye, and known I have often troubled patients, some of whom had become conscious of the nature that flat their affliction, even proved it by experiments upon themselves. As for an imaginary cry, said I, do not listen for a moment the wind and this natural bodies. While we speak so low, and that to that wild harp it makes the telegraph wires. That was well enough, he returned, after we sat listening for a while. He ought to know something of the wind and the wires. He would have so often passed long winter nights there alone and watching, but he would beg to remark that he had not finished. I asked his pardon, he slowly added his words, touching my arm. These six hours of the appearance of memorable accident, accident on his line happened. Within ten hours of dead, wounded, were walked along through the tunnel over the spot the figure had stopped. The grievous shudder crept over me. I did my best against it, but it, did not, had, it was not to be denied or rejoined. That this was a remarkable coincidence, calculated deeply to press his mind. This was unquestionably a remarkable coincidence. It did continually occur. This might be taken account in dealing with such an object, subject. 
Though, to be sure, I must admit, I added, I thought I saw he was going to bring the objection to bear upon me. Men of common sense do not allow such an inco- much for coincidence in making ordinary calculation of life. Again, beg to mark, you're not finished. Again, began his pardon for being betrayed into interruptions. This, he said, laying his hand above his eye arm, glancing over his shoulder and with hollow eyes. It was just a year ago, six or seven months past, I recovered from the surprise and shock. And one morning, the day was breaking. I was standing at the door, looking towards the red light, and saw the spectre again. He stopped, fixed look at me. Did he cry out? No, it was silent. Did he wave his arm? No, it leaned against the shelf like both lions. Before the face like this. Once more, he followed his action with eyes. His action of mourning. I was in such an attitude of stone figures and tombs. Did you, did you go up to it? I came in and climbed down partly to collect my fault, partly because it turned me faint. When I went to the door again, daylight was above me. Ghosts had gone. But nothing followed. Nothing came this way to this. He touched me in the arm with his forefinger. Twice or twice. Giving a ghostly nod up each time. That very day a train came out of the tunnel. I noticed the courage window on my side. It looked like a confusion of the heads and the hands. Something weighed. I saw it just in time to signal the driver. Stop, he shut off. Please break on. The train drift past here, 150 yards or more. Ran after it. I went along, heard terrible screams and cries. A beautiful woman died instantaneously. One of the compartments we brought in here. I lay down on this floor between us. Involuntarily, I pushed my chair back to look through his balls, at which he pointed to himself. True, sir, true, precisely at this as it happened, so I tell it to you. I could think of nothing to say to any purpose, and my mouth was very dry. The wind and wires took up a story of long lamented well. He resumed, How, sir, mark this and judge. Now my mind is troubled. The spectre came back a week ago, ever since he's been there. Now and again, my, my fits and starts at light. A danger light. What does it seem to do? Repeated. Puzzled for increased volition. And vermits, a former generation of, for God's sake, cleared away. They went on. I have no peace or rest for that. Calls to me for many minutes put together. Anguish manner. Below there, look out, look out. It stands waving to me. It rings my little bell. I called out that. Did he ring your bell yesterday evening when I was here? You went to the door twice. You see, I see. I how your imagination leads you. My eyes were on the bell. My ears were open to the bell. I am a living man. Did not, it did not ring at those times, nor at any other time, except when it rung that natural course of physical things. I say to with you. Shook his head. I have never made a mistake as as to that yet, sir. I never could suspect a ring with the man's. The ghostly ring is strange vibration of the bell. The bell divides so that nothing else could not. Sh- I have not assured you the bell stirs so the I. I don't wonder you failed to hear it, but I heard it. I did expect the scene to be there when you looked out. It was there. Both times? He repeated firmly both times. You come to dawn me? Look at it now. He bit his up under lip as though he was somewhat unwilling. He rose, opened the door, and stood on the step. While he stood in the doorway, 
There was a danger light. There was a dismal mouth of the tunnel. There was a high, wet stone. Walls of the cutting. There was the stars above them. Do you see it? I joined him. Take him to the note with his face. His eyes were prominent and strained. They were very much more so, perhaps, than my own had been when I, when I had rejected them. Honestly, towards the same spot. No, he answered, it's not there. Agreed, said I. He went in again, shut the door, resumed our seats. I was thinking how best to improve this advantage, if it might be called one, but he took up the conservation in such a manner of course way. So assuming but it could be in so serious no serious question of fact between us. I might find myself placed that I left myself placed in a weakness of positions. This time you will fully understand, sir, said he. What troubles me so dreadfully is the first question. Was the respected man in? Not sure, I told him. I fully understood. Dan, what is it warning against? He said, ruminating his eyes. The fire. Are you by time turning them on me? What is the danger? Where is the danger? There's danger overhanging somewhere on the line. Some dreadful calamity happened. It would not be doubted this third time after what has done gone before. Surely it's a cool haunting of me. What can I do? Pulled out his handkerchief and wiped the drops from his serrated forehead. The telegram danger on the other side of me. He said me or both. I could give no reason for it. Went on wiping the palms of his hands. Should I get in trouble and do no good? They might think I was mad. There's a way it would work. Message, danger, take care. Answer what danger, where? Message, don't know, but for God's sake, take care. But that would replace me. What else could it? What could they do? Pain of mind is most pitiful to see. Mental torture, conscientious man, pressed beyond endurance by intangible responsibility involving life. When he first stood under the danger light, he went on putting his dark hair back from his head, drawing his hands outward across the temp- his temple's extremity in feverish distress. Why not tell me where the incident was to happen? If it had must happen, why not tell me how it could be if averted? It could have been averted when on its second coming it hid its face. Why not tell me instead? He's going to die. Let them keep it at home. If it came on these two occasions, only show me that its warnings were true to prepare me for the third. Why not warn me so plainly now? Oh, Lord, help me. A mere poor signalman, this solitary station. Why not do someone, go to someone with credit, relieved and power to act? I saw him in his state. I saw that of poor men's sake, the world's safety, public safety. I had to do for the time was compose his mind. Therefore, setting aside all question of reality, our reality between us, remedying him, whatever fairly discharged his duty, he must do well. At least that it was his comfort, he studied his duty. Though he did not understand those confronting appearances, friendly appearances, his effort has succeeded far better. An attempt to reason him as conviction. He came calm and convinced incident to the purse at night. Avant began to make large demands his attention. I left him at two in the morning, as I offered to stay for the night, but he would not hear of it. And more, more than once I looked back at the red light as I ascended the pathway. I did, did not like the red lights. I should have slept not but poorly. My bed had been under it. 
and see no reason concealed. Nor did I like the two sentences of insolent. And the girl, I see no reason to still that either. But then, what ran close in my faults, consideration how faults a fact, become, having become a recipient of disclosure, I proved a man was intelligent, vigilant, painstaking, exact. How long must he remain so, state of mind? For his subordinate position, so he held a most important trust. And would I, for instance, like to stake my own life on the chances of continuing to execute it with precision? And even will come a feeling there will be something treacherous in my communicating. He told me this experience of the company without being plain with himself as a proposing middle course to him. I had to leave resolved to offer him, to occupy him, accompany him, otherwise keeping secret for the present. Why this medical practitioner they could hear in big parts? And to take his opinion, a change in time of duty would come round next night. It appraised me he would be off an hour or two after sunrise, and on again soon after sunset, appointed to return called formally. Next evening was a lonely, lovely evening. Well, that no early to enjoy it. Sun was not quite down when I traversed the field near the top of the building, great cutting. I would extend my walk for an hour. I said to myself, half an hour on, half an hour back. There'd be time to go to the, my signalman spots. Before I was brewing my stroll, stepped to the brink and mechanically looked down, the point at which I first seen him. Didn't desire the thrill that seized upon me. I closed at the mouth of the tunnel, saw the appearance of man with left shoes across his eyes, passing waving his right arm. The nameless horror that pressed me passed in a moment. The moment I saw the appearance of man was a man. Indeed, there was a little group of other men standing a short distance whom he seemed to be rehearsing the suggestion he made. They was not lighted. Against his shaft of a little white low hut, tiny and new to me, being made of some warm supports of tarpin. Not no bigger than bed. This was sense that something was wrong. A flashing self reproachful fear, a fatal mystery, come to my leaving the man there, causing no one to be sent to overlook, correct what he did. Descended a path, notched path, with all my speed I could make. What's the matter? I asked the man. Single man called this morning, sir. Not the man belonging to that box, yes, sir. Not the man I know. You recognize him, sir? You knew him? Said the man who spoke to the others, supposing uncovering his own, his own head and raising the end of token. Face is quite composed. Oh, how did this happen? How did this happen? I asked, turning from one to another as the hut flows in again. Cut down short down, down by engine, sir. A man in England knew this work better. But somehow it was not clear that out of rail his lust at broad labour just at broad labour day. He struck the light and the lamp in his hand as the Indian came out of the tunnel. His back was towards her. He cut him down. The man drove up by over, was showing how it happened. Showed the gentleman Tom. Man wore a rough dark dress. Stepped back to his former place in the mouth of the tunnel, carrying around the curve of the tunnel. Sir, he said, I saw him at the end, like, like as if thrown down a perceptive glass. There was no time to check speed. I knew him to be very careful. He didn't seem to take heed of the whistle. Shut it off when he was running down upon him. Called to him as loud as I could call. What did he say? I said, below there, look out. Look for God's sake. Clear the way. I startled. Oh, this is a dreadful time, sir. 
Never try left out of calling him to him. Put his arm round my eyes and not to see. Waved his arm to the last. But it was no use. Without prolonging the narrative to dwell on any one of its curious circumstances, more than any other, I may in closing it, point out coincidence of warning of the engine driver, included not only the words which the unfortunate single man repeated to me, haunting him, also in words which I felt I myself, not he, attached, not only in my own mind, to gestation he then imitated. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.